Hello, you gorgeous beings. My name is Felicia Malay, and this is Fierce Gentle, the Courageous Voice podcast, where we reclaim voice, courage, and power through conversations and poetry. I want to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation, that this is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, you brilliant bumbleums. We are back here for another episode of Fierce Gentle, and today I am going to be talking to the incredible musician Karen Fields. In this episode, we talk about love and anger and the Ill- impact of debilitating illness. Karen is incredible in her vulnerability, and she shares about the challenges that life can throw at us and the power of loving ourselves through it all. We also talk about life as a musician in the age age of digital music and what it is to take up space on a stage with a commanding confidence and profound connection and love. Karen really is an incredibly special and charming and enthralling human and I am so excited to share my conversation that I had with her with you all. Hello beautiful, how are you doing? I am being. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> Kia ora to you. Yeah, very apt response. Um, <laughs> for those listening, we are in lockdown here in Melbourne, lockdown number six. So that question, how are you, is such a loaded question, I think, these days. Um, so Karen, Karen Fields, um, I have been the first time I met I saw Karen I didn't meet Karen in that moment but it was on stage I was hosting a stage at Seven Sisters Festival and um you were one of the main acts on the stage at that point I would love for you to describe to everybody about yourself tell us who you are tell us what you're passionate about tell us what uh, what what you fill your time with that fills you with joy I am an artist, uh, a storyteller, a songwriter, performer, wizard, full-time magical unicorn, navigating life on earth this time around. Absolutely. I think that's a very very apt description of you, probably better than I could have done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I first met you at Seven Sisters Festival about three years ago, maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. probably three years ago with the COVID stuff, I don't know. Um, and I have this, I have a, a problem of, um, you know, I have a problem of falling in love with people when they're on stage. I'm sure you understand as a performer and how we see people. And there have been many people I've seen at Seven Sisters who've been up there and shared their art. And I, for a moment, go, oh, my God. I think I'm in love, right? <laughs> and, that's what, and that's the impact that you have, not just on me, I've noticed. <laughs> I've noticed that impact on almost everyone in every audience that you perform to. And, um, and yet in that moment, I wanted more of you and your music and your presence in my life. And I did that in a very fleecy style by like booking you to do gigs and, and things like that, because that's how I like to support artists. <laughs> um, Tell me a bit about your music. What kind of music do you create? I create folk music and country stories. 
I I guess like genre is important to frame that for maybe folks who don't know who I am or haven't heard my music. It, it, it generally finds its way into folk and country circles. Um, but for me, music is a very, or has been and, and is a very personal way of approaching life experience, experiences and narrating them in a way that I can see them from all angles and heal in all different parts and find a collective connection to the world around me by sharing truth. Um, that's, that's what music is to me. Absolutely. And I think for me, that is one of the reasons why I see people fall in love with you, right? Is it's this, I say that, I say that very tongue in cheek, by the way, not actually, I'm not here with a little picture of your face <laughs> on my locker door or anything. Um, but yeah, I, what I see is this willingness to reveal yourself through your art and to, it feels like when you perform, it feels like you you kneel down in front of me and take a hand on each of my shoulders and look me in the eyes and say, hi. Right? It's this mm -hmm. real kind of connecting. I feel like you're there for connecting. And in fact, that first gig that you did, the thing that that like nailed Nail the nail in the coffin. <laughs> but the thing that really got me right was was you said that you said I am here for connection. That is the reason I do what I do. I'm in here to connect, and 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 you just put such an emphasis on vulnerability and connection. I was like, yeah, they're like, they're like my my button words, you know. I'm like, oh, yes, I want more of that. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, like. What, why, why that route? So many musicians don't do that, right? There's, I mean, I, I think a lot of us do, but when it gets to be on stage, it can be such a confronting place that we put our heart and soul into the songs. But you, you're there with them on your sleeves the whole way through between every single song. You're there <laughs> with your heart on your sleeves. Tell me about that. Well, I don't, I don't see it as a problem to fall in love with people prolifically and, you know, wistfully, whimsically, whatever word you want to put in there, I don't see it as a problem at all. I fall in, I'm falling in love all the time. I don't expect anything back and I'll never hold you to the love that I bring to you. I'm in love with you and that's cool with me because you've put yourself out there for me to fall in love with you, but it's very private. I don't have a problem with falling in love with lots of people and seeing people as I see myself. Um, and I don't mean that to be, I don't, I don't want to be in your life or touch you or be near you to have that experience. I just want you to know I see pure love when I recognise people. I see that connection to spirit without, without even hearing your story or who you are or how you came to be here. You know, we have time for that if that's something that allows us. So that to me is how to be fully able to strip down anything I might have going on or any fears or concerns about not being lovable because <laughs> I've already decided that I love myself and so that's cool. Like I'm already in love with myself so then I can truly love other people and then I can express what I want to do because at the end of the day it's just me. I came here alone and that's the way I'll go. Um, I don't know if that mm. is a ramble or makes any kind of connection or sense but um 
yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's how I feel. (laughs) And I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I've never sat with you and talked your story out with you. I just take in the little snippets that you give me on stage. Because that's what I see. I see as gifts that you give when you're on stage, right? And you've had quite a life. And I imagine that life is very entangled in the journey of loving yourself. Yeah. Am I right to feel that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many chapters. I knew so, so young. I was like, oh, my gosh, my life's going to be big and full of pain and huge experiences that no one else is going to experience alongside me. And I just kind of knew so, so early that this was how I was going to have to adapt and be in this in this life. And so I think for if I'm just going to pick one part of my story that directly connects to vulnerability and what you've brought up what you've taken from our meetings and performances and shared spaces, that vulnerability side is that as a child with an illness and a complete um, surrender to adults around you who have to care for you in a full-time capacity for you to be experiencing white blind numbing pain at the same time as being completely naked and sponged down and cut open and stitched back together and needles and parts of your bodies and bodily functions and puberty and growing up and being just so like the the vulnerability is not a choice you have to that is just your gift that you've been given you have to live this out now this is how your life is um and so to choose uh, to take that experience and know that you survived it, the most vulnerable you could possibly be in one of your most formative years and you've already experienced that extensive level of vulnerability and come through it and learned kindness and being cared for for those around you that have taught you how to be the light in times of intensity and darkness and vulnerability. And I think that that is probably what I connect to the most when I see my fellow humans is that we've probably already, already, always, um, already all experienced certain levels of that kind of stripping in front of strangers experience. Um, and so, yeah, I guess those two things, yeah, are just hardwired. <laughs> yeah. mm. And I, I want to I want to reflect in what I see in that because because actually there's there's I feel like there's a splitting point like for me I did I haven't had anywhere near the extreme that you had but I did six months of bed bound sickness and absolute vulnerability and I I know an element of what that feels like and I feel like there's this point where we can when we do get to choose our vulnerability we can go one of two ways we can be like no I'm going to choose not vulnerability because I've had to be vulnerable for so long Mm -hmm. or I can be like no I I know vulnerability and I know that I can get through it and that's who I'm gonna be and I feel like what I feel like that to me is a credit to your soul and your heart and the people around you who were obviously supporting you and teaching you love in those formative years that you got you get to the, I'm probably not one point in our lives, but I feel like that we get to these moments in our lives where we've been through extreme enforced vulnerability and we can choose. We can choose to, to have a sense of control over our vulnerability or we can be like, no, no, I know that I can do vulnerability and this is the path I'm choosing. And um, I just see it as such a credit to you and your soul and who you are. Awesome. <laughs> I think that word choice is really important because you choose all the time. You choose how to respond. You choose how to be in in situations. 
but vulnerability is often not a choice. Vulnerability is something that we're forced to sit with and then we can choose to deny that we're being vulnerable and fight it or we can choose what we can do to be completely powerful and strong and vulnerable at the same time, no matter what's been chosen for us, it's how we choose what we have to work with that. That becomes a constant learning and a practice and a rewiring and an ability to be vulnerable in every single one of life's situations, but powerful and confident in the same breath as well, because you're just constantly going, this is my choice, this wasn't my choice, but this is my choice in this moment because of it, constantly just practicing that positive choice as much as you possibly can. And then you can be vulnerable everywhere, all the time. Yeah. I loved it because I, I, I have a really specific definition of vulnerability um, that I totally hijacked from Brene Brown because <laughs> I saw her speak in Sydney a few years ago and, and, you know, she so casually just rolled it off her tongue in the middle of this talk and I just grabbed my pen and wrote it down. But I am aware that that might not be everybody else's definition of vulnerability and as we're talking about it I really want to make sure everybody's on the same page of what it is we're talking about when we talk about vulnerability so what does vulnerability mean to you to me Mm. Hmm. instinctively I feel the answer is not being in control at a surface level, like not being able to control anything or any part of what's going on and, and just being unable to go back to what I said. Like I, I feel like vulnerability feels like a lack of choice, like I don't have a choice and whatever the situation is or the pain I'm experiencing or the mental anguish or the story that I'm telling or what, you know, that's it's when choice dissolves for me. That's at a first level of what vulnerability feels like to me. Mm. Um, yeah, and then on a, and that kind of level down from that, and then it becomes revealing, and vulnerability becomes a, a revealing of something that perhaps you didn't see before, or you don't want to see, or you don't want to be seen. Mm. And then it just gets deeper and deeper, and we're here four hours later sipping tea that we didn't intend to go, but I think that <laughs> that's probably the surface for me. <laughs> Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Um, so this was one of those life-changing moments for me. It actually shifted my whole life. It catalyzed the end of a relationship, so much stuff. She said that vulnerability is not knowing the outcome and doing it anyway. And so that means that it, it can be good, like this idea that vulnerability is like, you know, something that's out of your control and you're a, there's a weakness, there's a weak point there. Yeah. Or in a lot of circles, the vulnerability is seen as a strength. It means you're showing who you are to the world. But the but Brene Brown's kind of core definition is that you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you're doing it anyway. And I guess, and I find this really interesting because in your situation it's, it's relevant, but it's also a very different take on vulnerability in a very different scenario maybe. And I really like the um, addition to my definition of that as well. Yeah, I guess it's that's just kind of um, breaking it down, but that's a very that's a very poignant way of summarising it. Brene Brown. Yeah, good old good mm. old Brene. Mm. <laughs> but um, what I liked about it, I think, is it has the negative 
it can be negative or it can be positive mm. depending on the situation and the choices that we make um mm. but then then when we look at it from the situations of like out of our hands so we're in a pandemic right now and there's a certain amount of stuff that's completely out of our hands that we are vulnerable to i feel like lockdown feels like a vulnerability with something that we don't know what the outcome's going to be but we're doing it anyway mm. um, the doing it anyway that ties into that just keep going mentality I find that for me that I can I can find a connection there which I, I yeah may may or may not resonate um I don't mean to say just keep going if you're in a puddle on the floor and you just need to be there then fuck yes keep going in your puddle I didn't mean keep going and push against what you're naturally doing but yeah I can definitely resonate with that you do it anyway um yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it is. You're forced to stop, isn't it? Vulnerability is like I can't do anything else until I, well, I just have to keep going. It's the, that's the outcome. Well, I mean, the opposite of vulnerability to me is like control and perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. So then I can choose, and I guess that speaks to what you're saying, is this out of your control? Yeah, what I can't change. Having to be out of control. Yeah. yeah. But then it comes to that, what, what you were saying, what I was saying is like, okay, but then what's my choice? Like, what can I choose? Like, what's my, what's my go through? What's my do it anyway? Um, mm -hmm. How do I frame this so I can work with that? So I can find my strength and my confidence and my vulnerability. Like it's for me, it's just a, yeah, it's those clear choices to be pragmatic about it and my vulnerability mm -hmm. rather than just, yeah. What's my choice? Cause you've always got one yeah mm. and being in love with your choice and not describing to anyone or having any you know debate on it just being like chocolate that's my choice <laughs> it's a full story in itself it's the title it's the start the middle and the end <laughs> it's a good it's a good choice mm. it's a good choice um, not that my opinion matters in your choice. Of course. Um, <laughs> I, this to me is speaking to, I mean, the title of this podcast is Fierce Gentle, right? And the Fierce Gentle being our ferocity of truth and our gentleness of, of how we, of how we treat ourselves or the world around us. And sometimes the ferocity with how we treat ourselves or the world around us framed with the gentleness that we can hold ourselves in in that or held our, hold others in in that so the boundaries and the and the compassion uh, hand in hand and I see that in you it's one of the reasons why I wanted you as a guest right that you have this when you stand on stage you have this power and this presence and n n not completely to do with the fact that you're like 94 feet <laughs> <laughs> yeah but also your heart your heart has this presence to it that you stand there and you command an audience with no shame and that is the fierce you command the attention of the whole audience with this immense love this immense softness and love <laughs> i'm just getting a note passed through the door from my kid <laughs> um <laughs> a bit distracting for me do you want um, to go and, yeah. go and read the note Read the yes, 
Okay, I'm back. The note says she's going to the garden to play. So she's letting me know what she's doing. I love that so much. Yeah. Oh, that is the best. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, right. Good note. <laughs> um, yeah, so that ferocity and that love that you hold hand in hand when you're out there. Um, is, and is that a choice or is that just, I mean, everything's a choice, right? But what is it to choose that, that commanding energy mm. that, that I will not shrink myself in front of these people? I'm just filling up the space. You know, I'm on a stage where I'm supposed to be for a purpose and it's my role to engage in every particle of space that I'm given to fill. And I don't mean to do that when I'm not on stage. Like, so yes, I, I choose, but it's a, it's a carefully architected, wonderful space in which everyone's coming for that reason. So I, I feel like you've chosen for me as well to be here to fill the space. And I love that. Like, I love that. I respect that. I love that. I'm here for it. You fill it. You're filling your space. I'm going to fill mine. This is an agreement we made before we came here today. We, we already knew we set the agenda, right. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to love every part of this already. This is our time. Cool. That's that's what I bring. That's a conscious choice. That's the energy I'm walking out with. And whatever happens, like I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I I, I go into another world and don't even know sixty minutes. I'm like, what did I sing? What did I say? <laughs> that's the magic, isn't it? That for me is when I get off stage. Yeah. And I don't remember. I'm not sat there with my brain running over every single thing that I said. No. That says to me I was really present when I was up there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a cool feeling, right? Like it's incredible. Mm. And I want everyone to have agency to do that in their own joy and life and space, and that's the added part of filling it and sparkling it and making it glorious is going, this is all of us. Mm. All of us do this. Mm or whatever, or do you, yes, you know, take that with you. It's, to, it's so permission giving. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Like I, I play for a living, right? Like I don't take that for granted. I play for a job. <laughs> For those of you who can't see Karen's uh, face as she was saying that, there was just this, like, absolute cheeky smile that came <laughs> on their face just before they said that. And it just it just made it for me. Um, <laughs> this uh, For those of you on, on YouTube watching it, you'll be able to see that. But <laughs> And yet this playing, like, we get to play and what a, what a gift that is that we have. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of playing... You have just, I mean, it's hard to play at the moment live because we don't have audiences in the same way that we have had um, potentially for the rest of the last portion of our lives. Um, but you just launched an album. Oh, yeah. I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm launching an album. You know, it's a slow grow. 
It's a seed in the veggie patch. I'm not going on a linear timeline releasing this record and going, yo, Instagram, here's a record. I'm like, no, man, this is great. I'm going to tell you about it for a year. (laughs) (laughs) And what is that as an artist to launch? You know, we were brought, I mean, I don't know your age, but I was, I'm an 80s, like mid to late 80s child that was around in the era of albums on CDs. That was, and tapes. Mm -hmm. We had tapes, then we had CDs and you launched it and there it was and there was the thing and then you'd have that one tape and your people would buy it and they would listen to it over and over and over again in order. Boom, that was it. Whereas now with the world of streaming and like Spotify and and, and tunes just coming drip, drip, drabbing around, like is the album, what is the play? I mean, I'm asking this for myself as much as for you, but what is it? as an artist to create an album these days? What is it for you? An album to me is a body of work that um, has a symbiotic relationship with one another and those stories and piece together and the narrative all fits. And for me, I'm presenting a specific story constructed with, you know, 200 songs whittled down to tell this story in the in the best, deepest, funniest, joyous way I can. Um, And so to release an album is to share that narrative with those that subscribe to the whole album and its heart and the whole entire body of work that it is, and that's awesome, that's there for you. And then extracting those stories and songs and finding where they fit in the world and offering them with a generous heart to wherever they might land. Um, So for me it's both. It's about... Finding, um, finding a way to engage with those that already know who you are and love what you do and then finding ways to use all the little bits and pieces that you've put together to introduce yourself and be introduced to um, the rest of the world. I'm not, a, mm. I'm not a superstar pop star. You know, I don't have a machine behind me. I don't need to subscribe to a linear way of experiencing the music industry I'm like over here just Mm. having a great time (laughs) 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 yeah yeah off the record if that answers your question yeah Yeah, it does I love that what I love about it is it brings it back to the artist's experience rather than the audience's experience and I think so often as artists we can I mean, I say that as in like you're saying, I'm saying, you know, what is it to create albums? Because this is what an album used to be for people when they bought it. Whereas these days people listen to Spotify and it's just a track here and there. And you're like, well, for me, it's a body of my work. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It kind of brings it back to, it's like reclaiming it. It's reclaiming that experience as an artist that we don't want to have to just create all the time an individual track and release it. But there's something that we can't just say with one, one track. Sometimes we need to say it across... For 13 tracks. Absolutely. And because I'm a live performer, I need a body of work that represents the past little, you know, bit of my life and on a journey of touring circuits and meeting people and we go through cycles ourselves and I might not see certain audiences for three years and so I'm coming back with this story, this, you know, this body of work that I present to a live audience. So it's finding a kinetic energy between my albums I release and songs I release to the general world that will probably never see me or meet me in person and finding that connection to what I do live so there's a synergy between the two. But I, I don't 
want to miss out on my Spotify fans and friends. So I have those singles from the record going out and I subscribe to those ways of communicating and I'm smart enough to look across different platforms and go, that works. I like that my friends are there. So you like it this way. Great. Here you go. This is how it is in this world. Like, cool. And here you are on vinyl. Wow. Fancy that. Like, great. How do you want the music? Not a problem. I'm like at the fish and chip shop. There's the menu. Like, pick a freaking poison. I've got it. Sure, you just want six seconds and you want to keep scrolling? That's cool. Those six seconds are brilliant. Oh, my God. So <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, tell me, what is the story of this album? You talk about the story. Yeah. about the story of this album. And if you want to hear the album, I'll put the link in the show notes for you to access all of Karen's stuff um, as a full album where you can funnel your finances towards this incredible artist um, and also any other links that are there. But tell me. I wrote this record the week I finished my first record. So I, I wrote the first song for Water, the new record, at the end of my marriage to my first best friend and my big, huge heart that I did not see the end of and as it landed at my feet, those events in my life were coinciding. The new record was finished. It was my first. I was just finding myself in the world. And then I didn't have my wife anymore. It was just a shock. So that's, that's the start of water. Um, and so I was now in a country that I didn't really belong to. I was broken and miserable and sad for myself and and found myself down the great ocean road and this is the journey of healing from self-hatred because self-hatred is the end of all relationships and you can't really digest the end of a big love until you're able to look into your own trauma and hurting and displeasing of yourself and just learn to love the hurting bits within yourself. And that is water. Mm. Mm. Mm, There's so much in there. Oh, my God. Well, I just want to listen to it now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm going to ask this because, I mean, I I feel like you're pretty good at this side of it, but I'm going to ask it because a lot of artists aren't. Um, if people want to financially support you with this album, are there way, what ways are there for people to do that? Right? I'm going to encourage people to not just go and stream it on Spotify, but to actually support you somehow. How can we do that? Any way that there's an offering on any of the platforms you find me is great with me. If you buy a digital download on Bandcamp, if you buy a ticket to a show, whether you come or not or or whatnot, if you want the vinyl, that's great. The CDs are cute little envelope discs, so it's not an opening one. It's not very big at all. It's got a beautiful piece of artwork on the cover. You can slide it into your journal that you're writing into and keep it as a keepsake for that particular year of your life. You know, however it translates for you is great with me. I do have a Patreon page that I've been supported from a small group of very close, amazing friends, fans. 
I would look forward to nurturing that more over the coming, you know, years. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I I certainly am more encouraging of those to just enjoy the pieces of art that are out there and and whatever I've got going on. So there's bits of merch Mm. and all the things. So And PayPal tip jars and whatnot. But, yeah, however it is that you feel cool about it. Mm. Mm. I love I love that you have merch as an artist that does get confronted because I do get confronted with bigness like I like taking up space I love commanding a space but I do get confronted with um the stories that I was told as a kid around being so the center of attention this story um I think especially as someone who was socialized like the a girl, this girl way, the whole centre of attention thing was really um, a shame point. But you have merch with your face on it, which I love. <laughs> I love that you have merch with you on it. And I haven't quite got to that point, I don't think, uh, of of confidence in myself to put my own face on my merch. But I just want to acknowledge that you do that and I love it. And I think that that is, I have so much respect and I understand, for me, I understand the journey that would be for me to do that. I love it when my artist friends put their faces on things because I get to see them and see their warmth shining out from that little bit that I've taken home. And, um, you know, that's all you hope to exchange. Is that who you are? Mm. That's my silhouette. That's what I look like. Mm. And hopefully when you look at it, you remember that big beam of joy that came at you in that moment that you're like, yeah, cool, nice. And just think of it as a mirror and me looking at you and going, I think you're so beautiful. Um, so we're coming close to, we're going to close up the, the, our conversation soonish because we're, you know, quarter to 11 now, uh, but that's revealing the time that we're recording. This <laughs> um, but if there are people out there who are wanting to share more of themselves, whether that's as an artist or in their relationships or to, to take in the way that you do, it's, it's a taking up space without shame and bringing yourself forwards that I love about you. Mm. What would you say? What if you could say, can I, can I ask you to say something to those people that, and like to gift them with some insight into that journey that could support them? So what you're saying is like, how do you like advice for how to share more of yourself? Like how to be in the space that you are born to be in or what's. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They're taking up. Cause it's not just, I think it's so easy to say, yeah, there's a space there, take it up. And it's so easy to be like, Oh, we've got choices, choose vulnerability, but there's a whole like generations and generations and generations of shame and trauma around those choices that we can carry. Um, or even just in our own lifetimes of being told to like, like you can't sing, so don't get up on the stage, you know, these sorts of things. But um, you have overcome so much in your life and you've chosen vulnerability and you've chosen to keep taking up space. And so I guess like, what I would like is some advice from you. If, you, if you're okay with giving advice, it's not unsolicited because I'm asking for it, <laughs> giving some advice to the people who are maybe in that situation where they're, wanting to take up more space, wanting to be more of themselves in the world, uh, but are feeling those blocks. 
I don't think there's anything I can offer that's that's going to stray too far away from cliches and, and you know, borrowed advice. But I truly understand the joy in completing the understanding of seeing yourself as truly the only one of you. And in that, you're able to really assess other people around you because we're humans and we do that. We like to, we're obsessive. But to see how incredible you are just just for being you, it, it's a lifelong, everyday learning to love. But if you practice that with intention and look at yourself and then take that on board as a responsibility and think about it like a job, right? And you are the only one qualified to be you. So nobody can tell you how to do your job. Nobody can tell you how to be you because you got it. You already got it. You're already the boss. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. I'm just, I'm just ended there. Like. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, just click cliches and borrowed advice, but boom, okay? <laughs> and that, for those of you who, you can't, who still aren't quite recognising it, that there was the fierce in the fierce gentle. You hear, did you hear that moment when Karen's voice dropped into, like, you will not, your heart will not not hear me right now? <laughs> right? That was, that was the fierce. Yeah, that's the fierce. The love. So much love. Mm. You you radiate. And I've said this so many times, and I'm sure people are beginning to feel it now if they didn't know you before. But you constantly radiate love. Oh, I do have one more question, actually. Sure. Okay. So so I this is, you know, so again, this is in the world of, of social media and the world of showing up, it's very easy to, to create an impression of who we are. So to constantly radiate love on social media and constantly radiate love on the stage is one thing. But, like, you get annoyed and grumpy sometimes, right? Like, that's, that's part of your life. Um, all the time. <laughs> but, my, but I'm in love with my human nature. My human nature is to be a problem solver, so therefore I'm a problem seeker. They go hand in hand. And so <laughs> when I encounter shit that I get upset about, I'm able to quickly feel those emotions and my humanness and my way of going up. Well, I'm allowed to. That's what I feel. I'm feeling it. But I can't stay here because I'm enjoying other things. You don't get all the space at the table. You just get that one chair. But I'm not going to not allow anger and frustration to sit around the table. They play an important part. But I'm just not going to give you all of my attention. All of my emotions are like my gorgeous children, all 12,500 of them. All have equal time. <laughs> that sounds, as someone with just one child, that sounds um, exhausting. <laughs> but also, I, I absolutely love it. I love that. And it's, it's, I think this is a big part of it as well. When we talk about bringing our whole selves forward, it doesn't just mean like radiating love and light in the traditional what that looks like especially in like the spiritual communities where, I mean, like I come from decades of moving within different forms of kind of new age and spiritual communities. 
with such a focus on the love and light. And I think that that is, you know, so beautiful mm -hmm. to be able to draw that forwards and to to shine that out. But also, like, I get hang, I get hungry mm -hmm. really easily. I get grumpy. Sometimes I'm carrying stress and trauma and frustration. Sometimes something somebody does pisses me off. Sometimes, sometimes I cannot ignore the fact that I'm living in a misogynistic, racist, ableist, mm. sexist, mm. ageist society, and I get angry. And I have to talk about that. And um, sometimes I don't talk about that well, <laughs> you know, to the people around me who I feel like have mansplained me or whatever, you know. And I think that that's. Um, and also just we, we're humans, we, we have relationships and relationships are messy places. Mm -hmm. It can be such messy places. And um, yeah, I think that my next exploration that I'm going to squeeze in for the next four minutes with you is just that, that, that living of, you know, what, what is that like? Like, how do you bring, uh, what am I asking? What is that mess alongside this constant love? Well, I have lived in, I've lived with a lot of anger. I've, I've felt anger and been angry at a lot. I've lived a big life. Um, you know, if I unstitched it all, you would understand where a lot of the anger has come from. So I've lived in depths of anger and had to face the kind of person that makes me and the kind of energy that that brings to those who love me, who are closest to me when, mm. I mean, pain and anger and are intrinsically connected and I live in pain. So I have to, mm. I have to live with a hum of anger within me all the time. Um, it's never not there, but there are five questions that I ask myself and everything that triggers something within me. I start with, does it matter? Does it really matter? Does it really, really matter? Does it really, 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 really matter? And if I have to get to five, then I'm going to make a stand and I have to do something about this. I have to put my precious energy into transforming this situation. And I'm cool with that because I'm clever and I'm confident and I've got the tools I need. But if I didn't get to number five, it actually doesn't matter. Done. Mm. Mm. Misogyny, it fucking matters. I'm going to get to five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm also confident and smart and learning and nervous, but I'm vulnerable and I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to sort that situation out. I'm going to, I'm going to like transform that. But like the housemate that doesn't do the dishes. Does it really matter? Um, yeah, it does matter. Does it really, really matter? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you just need to say, like, can you please... Can you please do the dishes? Because otherwise then I'm <laughs> going to have to keep asking myself if it really, really, really matters. Because then it becomes another problem of not listening and compromising and not being able to cohabitate. And, and you know, those things, those things matter. You know, but they don't have to really, really matter to get to anger, to get to, like, I have to make, I have to use all the tools in my shed to now approach this situation because I'm in a place of danger within myself where I'm compromised and my safety is compromised and my boundaries have been breached. So that's where anger lives and that's where it, it needs to be respected and looked at and nurtured and given time and space at the table. It's your turn, anger. You, you know, it's your turn. What do you need? What's going to help bring, bring you back? Keep you safe. Keep you warm. 
called Thanks Anger. What a fucking legend. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. All right. I, I'm, I'm filled with um, really good feelings right now. That's good. I'm glad we, we talk about anger and you're like, I'm feeling good. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's juicy to me. This Because I'm, I'm an angry person. Yeah. Definitely. I get angry. And I am... Um, I'm also, I can be quite reactive in my anger and I love the reminders of how not to be reactive in my anger and how to use my anger for change. Um, and I love this idea of bringing all your tools. Is it something that I'm going to bring all my tools to the table for? And if not, is it worth the anger? And I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm, good. Totally. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a double Gemini Scorpio moon. I don't know if that means anything to you, but, um, Okay. Uh, it's yeah. So like my, my Gemini is like, I talk a lot and, um, and I have a lot of like, like <laughs> lots of ideas. So I get very stuck in my head. And then the Scorpio moon is my emotions are very deep and watery and f it's like a fiery water, right? The Scorpio. So yeah, that's my Scorpio moon. So it can get pretty, life can be pretty, a, a wild roller coaster with me. Um, so yes, everything you've talked about is just, thank you. Um, I'm going to, I'd like us to close up our conversation now. I've already done my, my ending question. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to end just by thanking you. Not just, there's no just in that. I'm going to end by saying thank you so much, Erin, for taking time out of your day to be here with me and have this conversation. Thank you for holding such extraordinary space to be me. You've been listening to Fierce Gentle, the Courageous Voice podcast, hosted by myself, Fleecy Malay, and music and editing done by Rory McDougall. If there's anything you've heard in this podcast that you like the idea of, check out the show notes below for links. And if you want to see this podcast continuing, please consider joining me over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Fleecy.